Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by our intrepid editor Matt Eddy here today to discuss the A's system. Matt, this is your first year doing the A's. You took them over in part because there's some really interesting talent coming up, topped by two left-handers, Jesus Lizardo and A.J. Puck. Uh, just overall, as you spoke to evaluators, coaches, inside and outside the org, what was your overall sense uh, of this system and where it's at, particularly in conjunction with where the Major League team is at? I think the, the system lines up well with the Major League team because the top prospects are about to graduate to the majors and impact them in an areas where they need help, uh, specifically in their rotation and at catcher. Uh, you know, I don't know that we expect these guys to step up and be all-stars right away, but when you have Jesus Luzardo, the top left-handed prospect in the minors, uh, we. We have a 70 grade on him out of, you know, on the 2080 scale. So number two starter profile coming off a huge year in which he reached AAA. Uh, AJ Puck, the sixth pick in the draft in 2016. Recovering from Tommy John surgery, but also has a ceiling to match Lizardo. And uh, catcher Sean Murphy, who is um, coming into his power and already has plus defensive acumen. You know, you mentioned that pitching staff. The A's famously went through uh, 13 different starters, making at least five starts for them this year, and somehow still won 97 games. Lozardo and Puck both have premium frontline ability. Both also have Tommy John surgery on their ledgers. Uh, so you could look at it one of two ways. One, oh, their TJs are already out of the way. <laughs> but the other part of it as well, um, while TJ seems routine, uh, you know, the data does show that you know, one in one in six who have it uh, at the major league level never really get back to where they were, uh, and the median uh, number of career innings pitched for a lot of guys who have TJ now is still around a hundred. You know, we remember the successes and not the failures. In regards to the major league rotation having this injury track record, plus the top two prospects having TJ on their ledgers, uh, what level of concern is there for the long-term health of the A's rotation? Um, moderate. Uh, I don't know any more than any other organization because every pitching staff is going to have Tommy John surgeries. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I would say that in this case I would trust the, the tools and the ability and the performance and realize that given the market situation Oakland is in, these guys aren't going to be career athletics anyway. Sad but true. That is, that is uh, how things operate up there. Diving into the top 10, Jesus Lazardo versus A.J. Puck. One was healthy this year, one was not. How much of a debate was it between these two guys for one, one and two? I did consider ranking A.J. Puck number one. Um, the fact that we have not seen him return from his injury yet. You know, he'll be back probably near the second half of the 2019 season. That's what swayed me. I mean, Luzardo, you could... Um, charge me with uh, recency bias for Luzardo pitching so well and being close to the majors, but every scout just sung the praises of Luzardo for his poise as much as his stuff. Yeah, one of the interesting discussions I'd had with a, a coach inside the A system who's had both of them over the last couple of years, he said, Look, Puck's got better stuff, Luzardo's the better pitcher, he would have Luzardo above. When you talk about Lizardo having that, you know, a 70 grade, which is a number two starter ceiling, Puck's similar. Is it same grade, different risk factors, or is Lizardo, you know, is it more Lizardo is a two and Puck might be more of a three? How did you kind of differentiate that? No, they're both 70s, by the way I have them here, but the risk is higher on Puck, by the way we rank prospects. It's a high versus a very high. 
Um, and I, depending on the flavor you like, you could probably go 70 fastball, 70 slider on puck. And if you prefer that to Lizardo, who I don't believe has a seven has a 70 changeup, but no other 70. If, if that's your thing, you could you could justifiably prefer puck. I think either way, we are looking at two. Uh pitchers, if their arms hold up, that should be uh, pretty special pitchers in the Oakland rotation for a long time. Uh, we know those were the clear top two. Sean Murphy was a fairly clear top three. It got interesting when she got into that middle range. Uh, Kyler Murray, who, as we all know, uh, two-sports standout, currently starring uh, Oklahoma quarterback, uh, is going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, and deservedly so. What for you and your discussions with those inside the A's organization made him, you know, the number four prospect, even though he has yet to play a professional game and, you know, depending on how things work out here, may, may never. We'll, we'll see. Trust the tools. You know, he's, he showed the potential for um, pluses defensively, hitting, power, speed, the potential. I'm not saying that he's guaranteed to be all of those things, but... The ceiling adds up to a potential first division center fielder, power and speed type of guy. Uh, he has given a verbal commitment to attend the minicamp before spring training next year, and recent quotes indicate that he is still planning to quit football. So I think there's reason for optimism for A's fans that we'll actually get to see him in a minor league uniform next year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because he does not fit the typical pro quarterback profile. Uh, while there have been other shorter quarterbacks, you, you know, you watch what Russell Wilson looked like at NC State, Wisconsin. It was still a, a little more normal looking, if you will, than Kyler. But as you've discussed in, in the A's prospect chat, all it's going to take is one team. You know, no one had Tim Tebow as a first rounder except Josh McDaniels and the Denver Broncos. And guess what? They took him. It'll be interesting, I think, because while you're right, there's verbal commitments, once you potentially are looking at life-changing money and not riding a bus in Beloit, but being in a professional NFL-style uh, life, uh, lifestyle, I should say, it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to just see if there is one team that falls in love with Kyler Murray. Uh, you mentioned the verbal commitments. Did you sense any concern uh, on the part of anyone within the A's organization about sure. him getting? Oh, yeah. No, I would say that nobody... I would say there's trepidation. <laughs> His bonus is structured such that he received, you know, according to sources, the A's have not confirmed this, but we have it from multiple um, independent sources of the A's. Uh, he got $1.5 million when he signed, and he will receive the balance at spring training if he's there. It's going to be interesting to, interesting to see. Moving beyond him, you get into this really interesting group of, of outfielders who... There's talent, there's questions. Um, Austin Beck, their first rounder last year. Lazaro Armenteros, a big Cuban signing. Uh, Jamison Hanna, another, another draft pick. Was it, you know, five, six, seven in that order pretty clearly, or was there no. any debate? No. Okay. I think the top six that we have here are the top six for every source. They were just varied on the order. I think I talked to one scouting department who had Murray number one, just to give you an idea of, of the ceiling, the, wow. you know, the potential there. But these, are, these were the six guys, just in different orders. Beck and Armenteros really interest me because each of these guys has a, a pedigree that's you know, really promising, but each of them have so, shown some good, some bad. 
Uh, what were the overall assessments you received on both of them now that you know they really have a, their first you know, full professional season on, under their belt? Um, highly volatile outfield prospects. I, I think back a little less so because he does potentially have the center field value. Uh, he needs to develop power, obviously, after two home runs in the Midwest League, though the hit tool is promising. Whereas Armenteros is, is bound for a corner, uh, more pressure on his bat, you know, especially his power production, for a guy who's already pretty physically maxed out in low A. What level of confidence did you sense from opposing evaluators that either of these guys would really get to be first division regulars? I think outside the org, there, you would say that lukewarm would probably be the best way to describe it. I don't think anyone at this, at this point, granted they have a lot of development to do, but at this point, I would say they're not lukewarm. Beck's interesting to me because, and we all have our own personal preferences uh, in, in life, but including baseball and prospects. And uh, you know, for me, when I see a young guy, I'd rather see a lot of contact early. We know power comes later; it's the last thing to develop. So I, right. I would be more worried if he'd hit 250 with 18 home runs in the Midwest League. So hitting close to 300 with only two home runs. That shows the hit has developed. The power can still come. This is still a teenager mm -hmm. uh, coming, you know, playing in the cold weather. A lot of factors there. How, Did, didn't how, play great competition in high school either. So, so that you know, considering where the hitting ability has shown itself to be, mm -hmm. you mentioned it's still kind of lukewarm. Was it because the lack of power, or were there other aspects? Oh, the plate discipline. You know, it's thirty walks. Even the A's will tell you that he needs to improve his batting eye, get into more hitters counts. Et cetera, et cetera. But you know, there's gap power here, and as you as you know, he hit nearly 300 as a teenager. There's things to work with. You mentioned these were the top six. That seven through ten spots, obviously four players filled them. How many players were really in consideration to fill out the back of the list? Uh, realistically, I had four other candidates who were even more imperfect than the, the players I chose. So eight guys for four spots at the back. Yeah, that, yes. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned imperfect, uh, which kind of leads me into my next group. You know, it seems like the top three guys here are bona fide, you know, starting caliber major leaguers. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray's a huge wild card. And I think if he plays well next year, he'll be a top 100 prospect. I think that's fair. You get into two highly volatile outfielders, to use your term. And then beyond that, are we looking at guys who are more that contributor type as opposed to everyday player? Uh, Jamison Hanna and Eli White, I would say, have a chance to be regulars. You know, you, you could say that about a hundred prospects. Uh, but based on where they're ranked, you know, I, the confidence level is not super high. Eli White is someone who was kind of just a guy, and then this year really took a step forward. In your discussions, what really contributed to this leap he took? Well, he's, he's just an athletic shortstop who the A's liked, and he finally started to put it together. You know, it's, it wasn't, it, it, his performance wasn't as fluky as, as perhaps some other players. I think there's a solid base here for him to be, you know, it's, it's easy in this system to, to point to someone like Chad Pinder and, and think that that's the ceiling, but I don't think he hits the ball as hard as Pinder does. I think we're looking more at a, you know, middle infielder who can play the outfield. Give you that versatility, and we've seen teams value that more and more. You have these, you know, three top hundred guys. You mentioned Murray will, has a chance to be there at number four. 
Is there anyone further down the system that isn't top 10 yet, but just overall, I mean, is there depth here where you can see, you know, guys who might make a leap forward, or is it really the guys at the top and then it, it falls off pretty quick? I would say it's pretty stratified. Uh, you, you guys like James Caprellian have been in the top 10 before. You know, aside from him, uh, Marcus Brito is an interesting second baseman who was in the Penn League and hasn't performed yet, but he's interesting. You mentioned Caprillion. That is the other side story here. We have James Caprillion, we have Grant Holmes, we have Dalton Jeffries, all guys who have mm -hmm. had a, a fairly high pedigree as prospects before. They've all gotten hurt. Where do they stand right now? Well, I, <laughs> I think the A's would like to see them on the mound before they would confidently assess their futures because <laughs> You know, Holmes, Grant Holmes was interesting coming off leading the Texas League in strikeouts in 2017. This year he makes two starts. You know, he goes to Instructs and makes a start. And so they're going to send him to the AFL, but then he gets injured after the Instructional League appearance. So that, you know, he's, he has three or four appearances if you count his time in the Cal League playoffs and at Instructs in the whole year. So, you know, they, they did add Holmes and Caprellian to the 40 man. So there is a chance we could see them next year in limited roles, but who knows? Yeah, I guess that leads to the next question. Again, in your discussions with A's officials, any level of confidence that any of these guys will really be able to contribute at the major league level given their health issues? Sure. I mean, they have the, at, when they're healthy, they have the raw ability to do so. It's just, I mean, <laughs> when they're healthy is, is is something you throw on a lot of pitchers, and, and these three in particular. Yeah. The, the, the sixth tool is being able to stay on the field in a lot of cases. With this system, you know, we mentioned the major league club, needing the pitcher, needing pitching and catching. They've got it, these top three guys. Long term, how do you see the A's positioned? Again, they won 97 games this year. They did it with, with some guys who are going to be around for a while in Matt Chapman, in Matt Olson. A lot of their pitchers who got hurt were young. They had to go get older reinforcements, but there, are, there is a young pitching base there. Uh, Ramon Laureano came up as a rookie, played mm -hmm. very well. How sustainable is the A's success given what's at the major league level and who they have in this system? I would rate their chances as very good. Uh, you mentioned the prospects they have. You know, Franklin Barreto also, you know, uh, exhausted his prospect eligibility. He's another young player. Dustin Fowler, same deal. You put those guys in the same bucket as Laureano. If you like them, you say, oh, these are pieces for the future. And I think they've demonstrated that when they do trade veterans, they d generally do a good job of pro evaluations to restock their system with young players. So therefore, I would feel confident about this group for the next five years. It's going to be interesting. A lot of battles with the Astros ahead, but uh, the A's have put themselves in a good position. Now it's a matter of getting anyone healthy. Well, getting everyone healthy, I should say. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for uh, all your hard work putting together the A's system. Matt's also uh, doing the Mets once again. That system is uh, probably going to be changing here soon, and we'll have that podcast coming up in a few weeks. Uh, for more Baseball America Prospect podcasts, keep it here. We're going to run through one for all 30 teams. For Matt Eddy, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.